It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, this is Larry H. Russell here, featured columnist at CLNS Radio, familiar voice here on Celtics Beat, and of course, author of the now critically acclaimed Fall of the Boston Celtics. Thank you to all those who have downloaded the book. Your appreciation only serves as a validation. And to those still interested in claiming your free copy that you are obligated to as a Celtics or an NBA fan, go to www.clnsradio.com slash LHRbook. That's clnsradio.com slash LHRbook. But for now, we know why you're here. To listen to the number one Boston Celtics podcast on the web, Celtics Beat. Brought to you by lynda.com. Now, on with the show. Good morning. Welcome on into the February 8th edition of Celtics Beat, presented by lynda.com. I'm your host, Larry H. Russell. Yes, electronic copies of my author debut, Fall of Boston Celtics, are free, and they are still available at clnsradio.com slash lhrbook. That's clnsradio.com slash lhrbook. Obviously, I'd like to thank those who've downloaded the book so far and for all the kind words. I've had a blast over the past month, and I look forward to all these opportunities in the future. But today in itself is an opportunity, as uh, we're going to be getting Steve Bullpet back on the show later. Obviously, I want to get my initial thoughts in the week that was for the Boston Celtics, because it was a very busy week for the Celts, and it was a very good week for the Celts. Yes, they lost last night in Milwaukee, 96-93, close game. It was frustrating because, quite frankly, they, they always lose in Milwaukee. And I wasn't exactly going into that game with, with high hopes. It just seemed to be always, they always seem to get the Bucks in a bad spot. You know, that second night in a back-to-back, Saturday night, different time zone. And they've always seemed to struggle up there. I mean, even when they had Bird and Milwaukee didn't have the best teams, like, say, in the late 80s and the early 90s, that was just, that was always a house of horrors in a, in a sense for the Celts and, uh, Last night proved to be no different. I wasn't I wasn't going into that game expecting a win. In fact, I would have been very pleased with a good performance, and I would say that they did so because once again, uh, they continued to fight pretty hard last night. It was a great game. It was a once again very tough spot for the team. You know, fifth game of the week, two back to backs in the week. With that being the second back to back, you know, different time zone. But they still brought it. I mean, they got off to a real good start. You know, once the Bucks got over the hump, it was just, it, it was a struggle. Uh, there's no question about it. But I, I thought they played fairly well defensively. They played pretty well. But they just, you know, they camped short and they lost a tough one. You know, but other than that, 
it was a good week, I thought. I mean, you pick, they picked up three wins. Were they against the best teams in the league? No, but it was a pretty busy week. And to, to get three wins, including one of them, which was a back-to-back, to get both of those themselves, I thought was fairly impressive for this young team. They're, they're definitely making strides in that area. And really, it's been a pretty good stretch of basketball since that West Coast trip. Really, it's more specifically, since Stevens left the team uh, behind in Los Angeles for a few days after Martin Luther King Day, uh, the team has played very well, and they've played really inspired basketball. And other than that loss to Miami, I thought, on Super Bowl Sunday, and I guess none of us were really paying attention, right? It wasn't that there was a pretty big football game later that day. But if you did watch that game, I think of the past two weeks, that's really the only performance where I thought it was underwhelming. I guess maybe Houston, but that that's a tough game because that's you know the first game back from a long trip, just as that Minnesota game was a tough game because that's the last game of a long trip. I really think only that Miami game was really the only time I've seen this team flat for a sustained period of time in a game. But I think this, these last two weeks have been good. I, I, and uh, I've been really happy with what I've been seeing so far after being so frustrated earlier in the year where I, I admit I let the emotions get to me a little bit early in the season. I wasn't just furious and throwing things all over the places. Some other fans did, but it was maddening earlier in the year uh, in some of the struggles they had, particularly at the end of games. So I actually thought the team underachieved at the beginning of the season. I really did. I mean, I, listen, they aren't the most talented team, but defensively they were atrocious at one point. They were Only the Lakers had a, a worse defense than they did. And while in the preseason they talked a big game about ball movement and even showed flashes of it, albeit preseason games against Philadelphia. I mean, that ball movement was there. And then after the win against Brooklyn on opening night where they scored 120 points and everybody was touching the basketball, that ball movement just disappeared as soon as those games began to count. So it has now gotten much, much better recently. And maybe it's the the natural progression that teams have during the season. Although most of the times you see teams regress as the losses pile up, and they've certainly piled up for the Celtics this year, but no, they've improved drastically in that area. And it also could be to the fact that there's now been some closure on this roster in terms of moving players that had major question marks over them regarding their futures, obviously Jeff Green and Rajon Rondo being you know, the, the two primary pieces. So that's now given this group and some of the younger players sort of a chance really to settle down a bit after all that tumultual, you know, that stretch there in January and December where there were just new faces coming and going every day, it seemed like. But the team play, I mean, it's been very good. And I have to say it, I consider it a pretty enjoyable brand of basketball, to be honest. And that's really saying something considering that following sub-500 basketball teams in the dog days and winter months of the NBA season has historically never been fun. In fact, it, at times it can be like pulling teeth. But I've really enjoyed watching this team over the past few weeks, and I'm, I think I'm going to enjoy watching this team the rest of the season in terms of what I've been seeing. And yes, there have still been struggles at the end of games, but that's to be expected with a young team, especially a young team with no real individual offensive threat. But once again, they're getting much better in that 
aspect also. They've closed out some games, particularly in Utah. Uh, Philadelphia the other night, I know it's Philadelphia, but when a team rallies back from 26 down and cuts it to three, and then you push it back and eventually finish the blowout off, I think that's a market difference from the beginning of the season. And that's good. That's really why I feel good about this team now and good about this team going forward because they've improved throughout the season in three key aspects. Team defense, as I stated, they were the worst defensive team in the NBA, worst uh, besides the Lakers, so worst defensive team in the conference. And now they're up to 15th in defensive rating, I believe. The ball movement is now, I think, is very good. And the end-of-game execution, while not elite, we don't expect that, it's much better than what we were seeing at the beginning of the year, which was just putrid. And then, of course, going forward, we know how good this team sits in terms of what they have with their future possibilities. I mean, right now they have everything in place to capitalize on key situations and scenarios. They have an abundance of assets. And most importantly, they have the brain power and the right people with documented track records such as of success, such as Danny Ainge. And they also have an ownership and executive group that's as obsessed as any fan is in terms of wanting this team to win. And they'll do what it takes to see what this team wins. So obviously that's why I feel good on this freezing cold and dark wee hours of the Sunday morning. And that's why many other members of the media and fans themselves feel pretty satisfied and content in terms of the direction of this team. And even right now. Obviously, I ran the big piece on clnsradio.com this Sunday morning. If you haven't read it already, you can check it out. It's pretty, it should be on the front page, clnsradio.com, uh, where I interviewed key members of the organization, including Rick Grosbeck and team president Rich Gotham. Then I obviously talked to people outside the organization. You guys know where I stand in terms of my vantage points, but we looked at both sides regarding the state of the team, and we also looked at how the fan base feels about this team. I think the morale, as you you know, read in the piece, I think the morale is very high, and the team feels that way as well as you'll see, and it's certainly much higher than one would imagine for a team that you know they're they're still well under 500, and they have played better this these past two weeks, but it's still a struggle. I mean, no one enjoys dealing with teams that lose more games than they win, and there's still no timetable where this type of losing is going to end by this specific date but in general if you watch the games on Comcast Sportsnet if you're attending the games at the TD Garden conversing with other fans I'd say people remain upbeat but you know maybe maybe, uh you know please please feel free to let me know what you think uh you all you guys obviously know where to find me obviously our Facebook page is Celtics Beat on CLNS Radio you can like us there leave some comments and we'll be sure to respond on Twitter, our handle is Celtics underscore beat. That's at Celtics underscore beat. You can tweet at that. We'll be sure to get back to you. And obviously, you can tweet at me specifically, at CLNS underscore LHR. And obviously, we, we'd be remiss to mention that we're having another contest, another one of our social media outlets, uh, Google+. Plus. We're giving uh, free tickets away to go see the Celtics take on Jeff Green and the Memphis Grizzlies next month, but the March... Just log on to our Google Plus page, Celtics Beat on CLNS. So you can just search for us on Google. Eventually, we'll become up. Add us to your circles. We'll add you back. And let's have some dialogue about how you feel about the team, uh, how, what you think they should be doing this summer. And we'll be definitely interested in what you have to say. We'll even probably talk a little bit out on the show. So log on to our Google Plus page, Celtics Beat on CLNS. 
add us to your circles. We'll add you back. Make some good points, and uh, maybe we'll send you a pair of tickets to watch the Celtics take on Jeff Green and one of the best teams in the Western Conference in Boston next month. But obviously, there's still a lot going on right now. The Celtics have some time off before they get back at it with the best team in the NBA, the Atlanta Hawks, on Wednesday night at the TD Garden in Boston. Last game before the All-Star break, going to be tough as they all are, but it's a game I'm actually looking forward to. I want to see this team continue to play inspired basketball, and the Hawks should certainly get this team up, right? I mean, you got the best team in the NBA coming to your gym. So it should be a pretty fun night at the Garden Wednesday night, and I'm actually really looking forward to it. I'm also looking forward to the guest segment. As mentioned in the opening, we got Steve Pet of the Boston Herald. You can check out his stuff in the Boston Herald every day, as well as the Boston Herald online at bostonherald.com. Going to be plenty to talk about, as I'm sure he'll provide us with plenty of answers, as he's only been doing this for 30-some years. Okay, so let's do this. Let's bring him in. Longtime Boston Celtics beat reporter for the Boston Herald, Steve Bullpett. Obviously, he's seen the ups, then he's seen the downs, then the ups again. And now I guess we're a year, we're a year and a half into this rebuilding stage, or is it a retooling or stage or renovation? But, Steve, you know, we're a little past the halfway point here. We're coming up on the All-Star game. And, you know, obviously it's been a tough season. That was expected. There were, and Especially there were a lot of changes, which we all knew was a possibility coming into the season, and it, which ended up becoming a reality. So we had this makeshift roster all year, and now it's kind of settled down a little bit. You know, considering before the season you heard Danny Ainge say the main thing he wanted to see was improvement, and I actually re- reiterated the same thing. And I, and I was frustrated early, even as a fan, because there was little improvement when loss-wise. You know, but here we are, more than halfway into the season, and Brad Stevens still has this team playing pretty hard despite all these changes throughout the year. And I think that means a lot. So, in general, Steve, taking a step back, I'm content with this season as far and even as an outside observer. So how do you look at it? Well, I think you're going to see more changes um, within the next couple of weeks. You've got uh, the trade deadline coming, and I think that, you, know, you could see one or two more deals. Um, and if, uh, if there are trades, I think you could definitely see a buyout, at least one buyout, uh, possibly Tayshawn Prince. Um, the, the roster will change more. Um, the key is uh, the guys that you're going to be moving forward with. Are they developing? Um, and I think you've definitely seen that. You, you saw that kind of right off the bat with Marcus Smart this season. Uh, I think the ankle injury has been a, was a bigger deal and continues to be a bigger deal than people realize. He, he came out of the game uh, in uh, New York Tuesday and, and had to get it retaped uh, in the first quarter. Uh, and I think you're seeing a little bit of emergence of, of James Young. I, I like the fact they didn't just give him minutes. He had to earn them. He had to, you know, show he was uh, understanding what they want him to do defensively. Um, but, yeah, I mean, look, there was a point here where this team was potentially ready to spiral. And what I think Ainge has wanted more than anything is – as the young guys develop, they don't want it to be in a situation like Philadelphia was last year. I think he wanted it to be where they come out each game with a legitimate chance to compete. Uh, and, you know, moving Rajon Rondo was, was big because it freed up time for Marcus Smart, even though you, you moved Evan Turner to the starting point guard spot. 
but it removed that guy that, you know, is he going to be here, isn't he going to be here? That question got taken out of the locker room. And then you move Jeff Green, and there's a guy that just on two you – know, has wonderful skill, and when his head is at it, in it, into it, he can do great things. But there's just there are too many times where he was disinterested on defense, and you know that kind of a thing has an effect on on a, on a dressing room and on on the floor certainly. So I think you know after that they realize that they're going to have some down games. Every team does some games where the, where the effort is just kind of spotty or this or that. or And I think when they look back at it, it wasn't necessarily the effort, but the, but the execution was kind of spotty and it made it look bad. After those moves got made, I think uh, Brad Stevens realized, you know, I'll be able to sleep at night here now because the guys I've got all need to prove something. And uh, he was at least getting a representative uh, effort uh, on most every occasion. I think that's what's changed. Yeah, I think that was very important. A very underrated aspect about this season so far was they moved those two key guys that had question marks on them being um, Rondo and Jeff Green. They did it early, so that gives this this team, especially these other young players like Bradley, Olenek, and Sullinger, and we'll get to Sullinger in a second here, time to sort of settle in and develop an identity and gives them plenty of time the rest of the season. Whereas if, if it did happen in the trade deadline, which is coming up, you know, end of February here, then, you know, all of a sudden, you know, it's just playing out the final month and a half of the season. And, you know, before you know, it, it's the off season. Now they've had plenty of time and they've had some really good ups. So it's, I think that's been pretty important for their just not just development of as, as individuals, but as a team. But that we're talking about, you were talking about developing individual players. And you mentioned Marcus Smart. I thought the most important player coming into the season was Jared Sollinger because the comparison that everybody seems to be making now is that Jared Sollinger is hopefully the next Al Jefferson, be it the Al Jefferson that's going to be, you know, another Al Jefferson or an Al Jefferson, you know, the commodity that could bring in a Kevin Garnett. And and this year, well, first off, we had this week where he's had issues of uh, being late to um, some some team meetings. But, you know, the impact on the floor, I mean, he's a solid player, but I don't like how, as a young player, he hasn't shown improvement from the prior season. Does that bother you at all? And from you know what you've you know learned yourself, is that bothering anybody within the organization? Well, um, I, I, I just I don't think he's ever going to rise to the level of an Al Jefferson. Um, what he is, is, and the Celtics are filled with guys like this. Uh, he's a very good complementary player. Uh, or he can be a very good complimentary player. Um, but, you know, as time goes on, he's going to need to get in better shape. He's going to need to be able to move better defensively. Um, we know he has the touch. He, you know, he's got great hands and uh, he's, got the, he's got a scoring knack. Uh, but, you know, I, so what he is going forward as either someone to keep or a commodity to move, um, I know that where there are a lot of teams out there who like his touch, there are people who teams that, that question, you know, how's this guy going to be in the long term? It uh, being late for the two walkthroughs, they they didn't have shoot arounds, early morning shoot arounds these these days, uh, those two days, 
they moved them to uh, or meetings slash walkthroughs to before the game, and uh, you know he was late for those traffic, et cetera, et cetera. I was more disturbed by the way he just kind of blew it off before the game when he was talking about it, like, hey, everybody's been late and stuff like that. It's like, well, you know, I'm not sure there's been start- – the starters haven't been late two games in or two home games in a row. And I think that's, you know, you need to say, okay, accept that, take accountability on that, um, and then you can move on. Um, so, you know, I'm not sure where he stands as this goes forward. But, look, these, are, these next few months are important. And um, how he responds, that'll be interesting, I think. Isn't that mindset particularly dangerous around a team where losing can create uh, an all-mindset as fragile as it could be with the Celtics? I mean, it's one thing if he did that under, say, Kevin Garnett or Paul Pierce, and he probably would have been, you know, smacked in his shape. But now that it's on a team that doesn't, you know, win more games than they lose, quite frankly— isn't that a little more strenuous than it could be, say, on any other winning team? No, I'm not sure because, I mean, you've got what he says in front of us when he's trying to act cool and play it off, that's one thing. Uh, but uh, I think in that dressing room, they have got some pretty solid, some, some pretty solid shoulders-up guys. Uh, Avery Bradley doesn't, is not a real outspoken guy. But when he speaks, he says things that are worth listening to. Uh, Gerald Wallace will joke around, but he knows what it what it means to be professional. Um, they've got guys in that dressing room uh, that that know how they're supposed to play. Marcus Smart knows what he's supposed excuse me what he's supposed to be doing, and and plays with that kind of. Uh, passion that that really sells himself to his teammates trust me um so they they i am not sure that that you can compare this to well if if uh if kevin garnett was here you know kevin garnett didn't always get in front of his uh, get in front of driving defenders you know he sometimes would take a step aside and try to block the shot you know so there are you know everybody has issues I don't think this is going to be any more so because it's a younger team. Uh, he'll either, you know, he'll get with it, I think, at some point, or it'll affect his career going forward. You mentioned Marcus Smart and what he what he means to the locker room. It's funny when I talked with Jeff Goodman, not Jeff Goodman, not just back last July, but even a week ago, he just still raves about Marcus Smart, the person, and his leadership skills. You know, one of the concerns that you know, people have for the Celtics right now is although while wow, they are rebuilding and they're getting as much assets as they can, and, and it's literally almost a, a historical, unprecedented amount of assets, the concerns are that, you know, there's less veteran-type players around, and with less of those types around and seemingly a guy like a Brandon Bass going out the door, that, I mean, that could be an issue in itself for young players developing, but you know, you mentioned some of these other young players taking on, you know, maybe not, you know, Napoleon-like leadership roles, but having the qualities uh, that a professional should have. I mean, do you want to just sort of further emphasize that? Yeah, I wouldn't say it's necessarily needing those guys. In the case of a Tayshawn Prince, who probably won't be hanging around much, he's a guy that that, that uh, is is in guys' ears and 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 is helpful in that way. And it's not necessarily that, that they're sitting down to, to class with, with Brandon Bass, but 
what's important what those guys bring is the solid, you know what you're going to get out of them when you put them on the floor kind of a thing. And that helps your team be competitive. Uh, playing in it, playing in an NBA game, like this summer, I, I wrote the thing that, that they're going to play in two summer leagues. They're going to play in, in Utah. That's going to be revived and Las Vegas this summer because they're going to have a bunch of young guys. They, they already have young guys like James Young, and they're going to be adding draft picks, so they're going to need to play in summer league games. Every NBA game is, is like five or six summer league games. That's how much more important an NBA game is because it's a truer test. You're playing against better players. You know, those games are, are worth their weight in gold in terms of experience. Uh, and I would say that playing in a game where you are competitive is, is at least twice to three times more important to your development than going into a game where, you know, where you don't have, you, you don't have any shot at all. And you're just out there running around down the court and throwing the ball up in the air because then the other team plays down to the, the, they're not giving you their best shot because they don't have to. Uh, that's just the human nature kicks in. Uh, so I, I think the importance of keeping veterans around is not, again, not telling guys, hey, this is what we do here. I think it's basically going out there and, and being the counterpoint that, that – uh, it gives them the, the good possessions that allows them to stay in games that puts Marcus Smart in positions where he's playing in crunch times. And James Young will, will be playing more in a crunch time that he has to perform. And this is what it's like so that the next time it happens, uh, he's ready for it. I mean, the, the reason you practice uh, for hours on end is because when it comes game time, those are things you've already done. The reason why you want your young players to be in competitive situations is so when they get in those situations in their second and third year, it's like, hey, I've already done this a ton of times. You know, I'm not, I'm not cowed by this situation. Yeah, I think that's what I think has been the brightest spot of this season is, I mean, I know it's, it's tough to talk about moral victories, but when you consider the circumstances and the fact that, like we've talked about, I mean, players have come and gone throughout the season, yet, you know, this competitive and competitive environment is still there. How, you know, if you have to play sort of not, you know, the good blame game, you know, what sort of port is this? Is this really much of what Brad Stevens is doing? Can you credit Stevens a lot for this and the fact that the effort is still there night in and night out, despite everything that's happened this year? I credit Stevens for being uh, an even hand that he's not – there's only one part I, I would actually fault him for is that the home game against Charlotte and he was out there trying to take the bullet. This is on me. This is whatever. And it's like, no, it's not. The effort is not on you. Uh, that is on the players. I, what I, I think what Stevens has done you – know, again, that's just him trying to do the right thing there. Uh, I think the his, he's been – consistent and even and I think that's what sells over the long run with players uh, and but the effort the fire comes from the players themselves and again you, you've seen them down in a lot of games I recall the game in uh, in Washington earlier in the year 
where they were down by a bunch and they came back and forced overtime. That was Marcus Smart, where where Rondo uh, got benched the last uh, 5:33 of the third quarter and the whole fourth quarter in overtime. That's you know that's guys saying, okay, we're going to play. And I think they have those kind of guys. I think most players in the league are those kind of guys, but they just get caught in bad situations where if they have any lack of character, basketball character, it kind of comes out for them, unfortunately. So I think you have to have the kind of guys who are competitive, and they have those people. Uh, And I think Stevens gives them the consistency of leadership from the bench that that uh, you know, they know what they're getting. There are no surprises. You know, earlier in the interview, you alluded to the possibility of more roster changes. And I mean, the way I look at it is, I mean, I think if so, they'll probably be minor. I mean, it could be something with Brandon Bass or Marcus Thornton. I know you've discussed Tayshawn Prince quite a bit, not just on the show, but um, frequently on, at the Boston Herald as well as the Boston Herald online at bostonherald.com. Uh, I mean, is that pretty much all that, you know, if you have to take, you know, sort of the wild guess that pretty much all we're going to be seeing could be just, you know, you know, just sort of you know, just sharpening the edges a little bit? You would think that that's, that's logically what happens. But, again, the Celtics have a lot of – they've got a ton of draft picks. They've got uh, trade exceptions. So they could be a part – as they were when uh, when they helped Rashid Wallace get to Detroit, the Celtics could be a kingmaker here. They could be the uh, part of someone, you know, getting you know, facilitating a player getting to a contender. Uh, but you know, like Ainge is going to be like, "What's what's in it for us?" And that's that's that'll be his mentality. But yeah, I guess there is an outside chance that if someone wants to unload. Uh, a a young veteran um, with potential Ainge could you know could grab some some draft picks and some caps um, some trade exceptions and make a move there. I would it would tend to doubt it at this point, but uh, he's in a position to do a lot of different things. You would expect, however, like you said, it'll be more uh, bookkeeping and uh, clearing out a veteran. Uh, they'd love to get a draft pick for for Tayshawn Prince. They'd love to get a draft pick for a lot of those veteran guys. Um, but you know, if they do, if they do trade Bass, uh, Tayshawn Prince, even Marcus Thornton for draft picks, then it, it it could make the end of the season. You know, they could take a step back in terms of de- developing guys in competitive situations. If you look at it, Marcus Thornton's a guy you don't talk about a whole lot. We don't talk about a whole lot. Uh, but he's a kind of guy that, that comes into a game and starts throwing in threes uh, because – and that's what gets you back into game. So, you know, if you lose a couple of those guys, uh, you know, the L's could pile up rather quickly. Yeah, that's what I was always sort of thinking myself. And I think, the, you know, I think those players have a little more value than, say, getting some – top 55 protected second round draft choice because I mean you I mean, know like you said I mean it, it, it not those guys not only help the team and help young players but I mean when you're just sort of just peeling off guys it could you know f- you know further sort of you know decline the mindset if you want to you know say it in just a terribly general term but 
I actually want to sort of shift gears to something that's far less tangible. And, you know, I really find this interesting, Steve. You know, usually when teams struggle, you know, the cat calls are inevitable. And so even though we all know of the big picture here with the Celtics and it, it is whatever you may think about it, it's still not hard to let those emotions sometimes, you know, of certain performance, be it by the team or individuals, sometimes supersede you. And so, you know, when I wrote Fall of the Boston Celtics, we all remember how ugly it got in such a short period of time, no less, for Rick Pitino at the old Fleet Center and just how vicious it was at games then. You know, we really haven't seen any of that a year into this rebuild. There are no tomatoes on the court. There's no, you know, you know endless booing. In fact, it's quite the contrary. I'd say people are fairly content. I know even myself as a fan, I'm very content at what I'm seeing. How would you best describe the mindset of Celtics Nation? Well, um, the Celtics are fortunate, and I think that look this. I think this is the way you need to rebuild. I think trying to get, you know, veterans that kind of keep you in Middle Earth. Um, you know, I'm talking about having a youngish roster, but adding guys that are, you know, that other teams kind of cast off, but guys who can play a little bit wins you a few more games, maybe gets you into the end of the playoffs. Those aren't the things you want to do. I think the Celtics are lucky that they have a fan base that understands the game, that understands, uh, you know, how you win, uh, and that people keep showing up. I, I frankly, as much of a basketball person as I am, uh, were I a, a Boston Celtic fan living in this area, I, I don't think I'd be plunking down, you know, the, the kind of prices they they put out there to to watch these players. Uh, because it's, you know, that's my entertainment dollar. And I think it's, it, it, you wonder the price, the parking, et cetera, et cetera. It, it runs up a pretty good tab. But you have people that support the product here. And uh, they, I think, appreciate when they get to watch uh, a Marcus Smart or like James Young, you know, make a nice cut. There's the pass. There's the dunk. These these are the the things that they say. Yeah, this is good stuff. Uh, but I just what they what they won't stand for. What will and there have been boos this season is when a team gets caught flat-footed defensively and gives up easy baskets on two or three possessions in a row. Then people will let them know about it, and they should. But remember this. Uh, in the latest Big Three era, I remember specifically a game against Washington at home where the Garnett, Pierce, Allen, those guys came out and were just terribly flat and got beat by Washington. And as those guys were coming down the tunnel to leave, uh, leaving the court, they got hooted on unmercifully and deservedly so. Uh, that's the way that, that uh, I, think, I think fans can't have an impact in terms of you know, letting the guys know this is what's acceptable, this is what isn't. Uh, so I think the Celtics and Ainge and, and the ownership here are fortunate that they still get to sell their product and and people will buy it knowing that this is not going to be a competitive team for a bit because you have a fan base that gets it and understands that uh, they're not putting unreasonable demands on, on, uh, on a team that's not ready to win. There's no better way to get you out of here on that. Steve Bullpett of the Boston Herald. You can follow Steve on Twitter at Steve B. Hoop. Steve, thanks so much for joining us once again on Celtics Beat. Thank you. Pleasure's all mine, Steve, as well as the audience of Celtics Beat. You left us plenty to discuss on the other side of the break. 
Hi, this is Sean Backey from CLNS Radio and the Evening Score Sports Podcast. Kickstart your new year and challenge yourself to learn something new with a free 10-day trial to lynda.com. Lynda.com is used by millions of people around the world and has over 4,500 courses on topics like web development, photography, visual design, and business, as well as software training like Excel, WordPress, and Photoshop. All of their courses are taught by experts, and new courses are added to the site every week. Whether you want to set new financial goals, find work-life balance, invest in a new hobby, ask your boss for a raise, or even find a new job or improve upon the current job skills in 2015, lynda.com has something for everyone. Now, if you sign up today for the free 10-day trial by visiting lynda.com slash CLNS, You'll get the benefits of unlimited access to every course on lynda.com. You'll also get access to view tutorials on tablets and iPhone and Android mobile devices, as well as access to new courses added every week. Some of the courses that were recommended for me uh, include analyzing your website to improve SEO, viral marketing, and web analytics fundamentals. Do something good for yourself in 2015 and sign up for the free 10-day trial to lynda.com by visiting lynda.com slash CLNS. Go ahead. I challenge you to learn something new in 2015. Hey, this is Larry H. Russell here, featured columnist at CLNS Radio and executive producer of the number one Boston Celtics podcast on the web, Celtics Beat. And now, author. That's right, author. My debut book, Fall of the Boston Celtics, How Bad Luck, Bad Decisions Brought the Mighty Celtics Empire to Its Knees and Ushered in the Dark Ages, has already been called the definitive account of the infamous doldrum period in Celtics history. You think the Celtics are struggling now? Well, you've got quite a short memory. Get the inside story from executives, general managers, staffs, players, media, fans, you name it, as I take you through a time in which how the Boston Celtics fell from the shining city on the hill and became entrenched in purgatory. And you'll see why. That's Fall of the Boston Celtics, available on clnsradio.com on January 5th. And you can't wait for the release? Well, tweet the hashtag Fall of the Boston Celtics to me at CLNS underscore LHR. That's hashtag Fall of the Boston Celtics at CLNS underscore LHR. And we'll pick one lucky follower and hand out a free copy on the January 4th episode of Celtics Beat. And now, on to your regularly scheduled programming. Welcome back on into Celtics Beat. This is your host, Larry H. Russell. Obviously, you just heard the commercial there for my book. Once again, still appreciate those who are still reading it. Appreciate those those who have already read it. Sent some kind words to me. If you haven't read it, remember, it's free. All you got to do is go to clnsradio.com slash lhrbook. That's clnsradio.com slash lhrbook. And claim your free copy. And also, we got some news. Audiobook coming out this summer. But for now... We got it on your iPad, your tablet, your iPhone, or even your computer, mobile device. Just once again, clnsradio.com slash LHR book. All right, obviously that was a great conversation with the longtime Boston Celtics beat reporter for the Herald, Steve Bullpett. Very interesting take on the roster situation. I think that's even, he's a guy who's as connected as anybody is with the Celtics. Probably the most connected reporter there is going locally. And obviously the name that really 
jumped out was Tayshawn Prince. Now, that's not really, you know, a, wow, you know, huge news on the Celtics front, Tayshawn Prince. I mean, that, as we were talking about, that's because I right now we're, we're mostly reshuffling the chairs on the deck in terms of the main renovations. Those are obviously, those th- that has been taken care of. So it's probably going to be buyouts or trading some veterans for, you know, back of the end draft picks, if you can even get that. Name that jumped out, obviously, was Tayshawn Prince, and uh, so it looks like he's going to be out the door. He only has a couple more days left here in Boston. I mean, from what I take on, you know, what I've seen so far from him, he's a pro's pro. I mean, he had a great career in Detroit, was on a very good team for a long time, and he's here. He's not pulling an Alonzo Mourning, if you remember what he did back, like, it was almost 10 years ago now, where he was traded to a few teams, and it it was just literally complaining until he got sent to Miami. Uh, you know, Tayshawn, he's here. This isn't even, you know, it's not the best situation for a 33, 34-year-old, whoever old he is. But from what I've seen, it looks like some of these young players are learning from him. And, I mean, I look at that Utah game when it was like, oh, here we go again. The Celtics are blowing on a late lead. And he really seemed to provide a calming presence. And that was a big win this season. I th- in fact, one of the biggest wins. And these are the wins that this team needs to start accumulating if they obviously want to grow as a team. So, I mean, I can't really speak on the inside because I'm not on the inside. I'm on the outside like all of you guys listening to this show. So, from my opinion, tangibly, it really seems like these young players have benefited from having him around. And like I said, especially at the end of the games. But, you know, from talking to a guy like Steve Volpet, I guess it's clear he doesn't really want to be here. And it looks like they're going to try to work something out so that way he can maybe go help a, a team that could possibly win a championship or compete in the playoffs. So... I guess it's a question of how much money he's really willing to sacrifice because, I mean, you can't imagine the Celtics are going to eat all of his contract as he has value to this team and he's on this team. So, you know, we'll see what happens on that front. And then you have, you know, the two LSU products, Brandon Bass and Marcus Thornton. You know, I mean, unless you can get something of value for them, I mean, as I told Steve, I think you should just keep them. You know, especially Bass, maybe even more than Thornton since, you know, Bass has been on this team a few years and, and he really has some seniority here, and he has a voice. So, you know, I'm with Bullpet on this, and as I mentioned to him in the interview, I mean, getting some top 55 protected second-round draft choice that you may never receive anyways, is that really worth it? I mean, really. So, I mean, unless some team is willing to hand over a trade exception, allowing ownership to save, like, a huge chunk of change to finish out the remainder of the season and help them to balance some of their their Excel sheets and accounting forms. I just don't think that it's worth it. I think that those guys, I mean, once again, they can help this team. I, I, I do want to see this team compete to the very end. And I, I know they don't have the greatest record, but I do want to see relevant games played in the month of March and at the end of month of March. So that way, as you know, Steve mentioned, so that way, you know, guys like James Young and Marcus Smart and Kelly Olenek and I guess Jared Sollinger and Tyler Zeller, you know, that, that way next year they can say, okay, I've been in this situation before. I mean, that that is very valuable experience. I would love to see this team play some of these games in April, even if they're not the best record. They're still pressure situations. You know, if you read Fall of Boston Celtics, and as I mentioned, you know, as I showed in the book, and I, I talked with many of those guys back then, 
The 2001 Celtics finished that season very strong. I mean, everybody remembers that 2002 team. Oh, they came out of nowhere. They went to Eastern Conference Finals. That 01 team, they finished 10 games under 500. So you look at them and just say, oh, they stunk that year. They finished the season 24 and 24, and they were playing very relevant games up until the last week of the season. And that was very valuable to those players. I mean, I had coaches on those teams and management, you know, on those teams specifically tell that to me. So I think that can easily happen this year. I definitely want to be seeing this team playing relevant games in the month of March and who knows, maybe even the month of April and having some veteran players like around. So that way that that's possible, such as Bass and Thornton, I think is worth more than getting a second round pick that you'll likely never, you know, select. Like I said, the only thing I think that would be worth it is if they could save a huge chunk of change, not even a huge because much of the season is over, but still a decent amount of coin on Bass and or Thornton's, you know, cap number because, you know, it's obviously Wick Grossbeck writing the checks, and if he can save, you know, some nice money uh, during a rebuilding season, I say go for it. But if he can't, I don't think they should just get rid of those guys just for the sake of getting rid of them. I think they have a, they have value to this team. And in turn... I think that makes people really sell this franchise a little short because, as I mentioned, that little transition from 2001 to 2002, this team next year could just as easily contend. I know it seems far-fetched, but if it was February 2007 and I was telling you, oh, yeah, uh, they're going to make a couple key trades and they're going to be in the mix in 2008, you would have called me a fool. But this team still has plenty of flexibility and plenty of opportunities. You know, right now, that doesn't look like it's going to be the case, but who knows? Some superstar may wake up on the wrong side of the bed one day this summer and demand a trade, and obviously the Celtics are in as good a position as anybody to get any player. And this team, obviously, once again, could, dare we say it, win the draft lottery, and presto, you know, 2007 very well could happen all over again. So, you know, yeah, I mean, what, the odds of that happening are probably less than 10%, but to quote a famous movie, you're telling, you're saying that there's a chance? Yes, there's actually, you know, a decent chance. So you just as easily need to plan for the summer as as this team could be a playoff team next year. And I think having veterans around this team is beneficial. And even in terms of signing them this offseason as well, because, I mean, the, Thornton and Bass are, they're not in their mid-30s. They're veteran players, but they're not like one or two years left. They could still help a team two, three years from now, and who knows? Maybe they could be helping that, you know, next at least very good Celtics team two, three years from now. And I think that, you know, just having them on this team now, I just – I don't think it kills them. It really it, – it, it, I think people are saying, oh, my goodness, you've you got to get rid of these veterans so that way you can play these young players as much as possible. And, you know, they're helping this team win games, and we don't want that because we want the top pick in the draft. Obviously, that's another rant for another day. I don't want to reiterate now for the fifth time, but I guess I will to sort of finish out this thought. There's plenty of value in keeping them around. And one thing that I have to touch on, because I didn't do it in the opening, because it was nice to talk about some wins during the opening. Obviously, the Celtics had a very busy week from Sunday to just last night against Milwaukee. There are plenty of games. There's plenty to talk about. And one thing I really didn't get a touch upon the pawn the opening, although I did did with Steve, was obviously the Jared Solinger situation. And I think Jared's a guy who needs some voices around. I mean, I I actually sort of disagreed with Steve there in the interview. And I just think that he that he needs 
a senior guy around, and whether it's a Brandon Bass or, or, or some other veteran that this team doesn't have yet. Because right now I'm pretty concerned with him, and I agree with Steve I'm in the sense that I'm concerned about the laissez-faire attitude that we definitely do agree on. And that it was no big deal to not follow the rules because, you know, it was a small rule, but rules are rules. And I think that definitely brings into question his commitment because, I mean, this just isn't a a rules thing. I look at the fact that he's, I mean, from my eyes, I I consider him out of shape, which I guess is is, is a far cry from what we saw in October when he came into camp in pretty good shape. Here we are in February. He's played however many, 50 basketball games or whatever it is, and he's in worse shape than when he played zero basketball games for the 2014-15 NBA campaign. So that sort of questions his commitment, whether it is to his diet, whether it is to a workout regimen or or just an overall sleep pattern or whatever he's doing during his leisure time because I don't know why he's fallen out of shape. I can't answer for him, but it's it's a question of his effort. And I think commitment is definitely twofold, definitely mentally and physically. Mentally, he, I don't know. He, he doesn't really seem to be there. He definitely, he has the talent. He has the touch around the basket. He's a good passer. I mean, he has definitely all the intangibles to be a good, ba- you know, great basketball player. But so did Antoine Walker at one point. But Antoine, he just, he didn't have what it took off the court to get better each and every day. And I'm starting to question that regarding Sullinger because, A, he has fallen. You know, he's, he's in worse shape now than what he was in October, at least from what I am seeing. Maybe I'm blind. Maybe I'm Helen Keller. I don't know. He just doesn't look as in good as shape as he once was. B, improvement-wise, there really has not been all that much. I mean, statistically speaking, I think there's been a slight raise in his efficiency numbers from last year. But, I mean, that's just on his God-given talents. I mean, he never, he hasn't really added any other facet to his game over the summer where you can say, wow, yeah, Jared Sollinger came back and added this. He's just sort of honing what skills that he already had, just basically, you know, from the experience of playing, you know, a bunch of NBA games alone. And then, you, of course, you have this. And I think you can sort of connect that all together and say to yourself, I mean, is this you know, a guy who's going to put in the effort to maximize his true potential of what he can be as an NBA player. So we really got to, you know, question that about Sellinger and have maybe having a guy like Brandon Bass around. I know it's a stretch to say, but maybe a guy like Brandon Bass could, could be the Chris Carter to what to Randy Moss for the Vikings were in 1998, where, where Carter was a really important guy for Moss and kind of kept him in check before, obviously, Carter moved on and, you know, Moss got out of control and the Vikings had to ship him away. I'm obviously saying that that can't be that extreme of a scenario. It's just a slight comparison I'm making in the fact that, you know, I think a guy like Jared Sollinger, especially on a team that's going to be losing more games than they win, could truly benefit from having, you know, some, some important voices around him. So the Celtics definitely need to uh, keep an eye on, you know, filling out the team with the right people. And I don't know, I'm just a fan of Brandon Bass in that aspect. And they obviously definitely need to be vigilant with one Jared Sollinger because he's just a very important part of the future, be it if he's going to be on this team or if he's going to be a commodity to bring this team, obviously, the piece that could, you know, Dare we say it? Be another Kevin Garnett. But we'll finish it up there. We only have a few minutes left in the show, so we got to get around the NBA in five in 
Obviously, there was that huge game Friday night in Atlanta. The Hawks down the Warriors 124 to 116. Got back on the winning track there after dropping that game to the Pelicans. Boy, they can't stop winning. And every single day we ask, you know, geez, can the Hawks really win the championship? Despite the fact that they've lost, I think you can count the amount of games on one hand that they've lost since November. I don't know. I, I guess I still say, I mean, no. I still really like Cleveland in the Eastern Conference. But it's still a great story. I, I love how they're doing it. They're definitely sort of like the poor man Spurs. And I mean, I got, but I, I guess you can't really say they're a poor man Spurs because they only have single-digit losses, and they they just keep on rolling, and they have by you know the best record in the NBA. But I, it's flabbergasting, and it, and it leaves me at a loss for words at how good they are. It's a great story because it's showing. The NBA, what Detroit did 10 years ago, that you know you don't have to sell your soul for a superstar, be it stink every year and hope that LeBron James falls into your lap via a draft lottery. You can just put together a team, an organization from the top down and start with a philosophy and go from there. And the Hawks have certainly done that. I would love to see them have great success in the postseason. I'm not exactly banking on it, especially considering it's a franchise that Believe it or not, has never been past the second round of the playoffs in their 40-year history in Atlanta. But who knows? I, I, I definitely would love to see a, a Hawks-Cavs, the dichotomy there in the Eastern Conference Finals. That would certainly be interesting. But while we're on the subject of the Cavs, their streak is over. The Indiana Pacers actually beat them Friday night. Still say that's the best team in the Eastern Conference. I've been saying it all year, even despite they were struggling. I still said this, that's still the team that's going to come out of the East. Just give them time. Let them gel. We'll see what happens. Sure enough, they got on that big roll. It's right before the All-Star break. I expect them to go, you know, keep playing pretty good basketball. Kevin Love, he's coming around. I don't think he's all the way there yet. But I just, that team, I think they have too much talent, obviously. And they have the best player in the Eastern Conference. Not the best player in the NBA. Because the best player in the NBA right now, and for the foreseeable future, is going to be Anthony Davis. Still on the subject of Friday night. Boy, Friday was a busy night in the NBA, huh? Game winner, double clutch, pump fake, whatever. Threw it in from God knows where against Oklahoma City. Gave them a huge win. Pulled them into the game within the one game within the Western Conference eighth seed. That's going to be an interesting battle there, by the way. Oklahoma City and New Orleans and Phoenix battling out for the eight. New Orleans got that win at Oklahoma City, which gives them a tiebreaker if there is one because they just pulled up the season series. But Anthony Davis, I mean, wow, what can you say? It wasn't just the game winner. 41 points. There's no question about it. I say if Davis can get that team into the Western Conference fin uh, Finals, yeah. I mean, if he can do that, wow. If he can get them into the Western Conference playoffs, I think he's the MVP of the league. I mean, I really do. I think you can look at Steph Curry. Even James Harden, obviously LeBron James is always going to be in that mix. But, I mean, Anthony, in, in the West, you've got to have a, a team with multiple superstars. And New Orleans doesn't have that. They have the superstar. They have the guy. They have the best player in the NBA. But no matter what, you've got to have a pretty deep team. New Orleans is not that. If Davis can get that team into the eight and beat out Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook, as well as a really solid Phoenix Suns team, He's my MVP because statistically speaking, I mean, this is one of the best years in NBA history, both offensively and, of course, defensively. And what's even scary is 
how young he is and how much he's improving on a year-by-year basis, it's frightening how good he will be in three to four years. He's already the best player in the NBA right now in a league where LeBron James, who is a top-five player in NBA history, is in it. He's the best player in the league right now. God knows what he's going to be in three to four years. He is probably, I mean, he doesn't have the game of Shaquille O'Neal, but he has, and I say he's the next Shaq or Moses Malone in the fact that in about three years, you could just surround him with maybe a decent team and one other top 10 player. And, I mean, they have dynastic potential. Obviously not now. That New Orleans team isn't that great. But eventually, if he gets on the right team, he's a guy who could, you know, I, I got him down for, I'm saying it right now here on in the middle of February 2015, I got him down for three to four championships. A few seconds left. We've got to touch upon this. Jacques Vaughn. Just got fired by Orlando. Far cry from what I thought at the beginning of the year. It looked like a team that was really moving in the good direction. It looked like Vaughn was, you know, a solid young coach. They really flatlined right after, you know, beginning of December. I don't want to jinx them by that call I wrote, but I think they've been one of the more of a disappointment uh, this season. I thought that they would make a little bit more of an improvement, but they haven't. They are in the midst of another dismal season, so. They had to make that change, and I guess we're going to have to make a change. We're going to be changing off around the NBA in five, and to the conclusion of the show, and that's it. That's it for the around the NBA in five, and that's going to do it for this week's edition of Celtics Beat. Music for Celtics Beat was provided by Will Rock, Chuck Steets, Astrovex, and Steph Legato. Be sure to follow us on social media. Our Twitter handle is Celtics underscore Beat, and you can like Celtics Beat on CLNS Radio on Facebook to keep up with the show. I'd like to thank our guest, Steve Bolpet of the Boston Herald. Another great appearance. Thank you, Steve. I'd like to thank our sponsor, lynda.com. That's www.lynda.com slash CLNS to get your free 10-day trial. Thank you, lynda.com, for making this all possible once again. For our staff writer, Eddie Santiago, myself, the executive producer and host of Celtics Beat, I'm Larry H. Russell. See you next Sunday with special guest Brent Barry of NBA TV for another edition of Celtics Beat. Heard exclusively on CLNS Radio.